and welcome to the Pig Edge, Chagas Pig podcast with me, Kieran Carroll, bringing you all the latest news, information and advice to keep Irish pig farmers up to date. And for this episode, we'll be hearing from our recent webinar, Financial Supports to Weather the Crisis. I'd just like to remind listeners that some prices have changed considerably since we recorded this webinar on the 18th of February. And our speakers at the webinar were Jared McCutcheon and Michael McKeown from the Chagas Pig Development Department, Sean Farrell from SBCI, Anne-Marie Butler, Head of Education at Chagas and formerly of Ulster Bank, Pat Burns from Bank of Ireland, and Donald Welton from AIB. And I first asked Jared to talk to us about the trends in margin overfeed over the past number of years that Chagas have been recording them. The overall trend, if you took the 24 years together, the overall trend is for a margin overfeed of 46.7 cent per kilo. But if we, you know, just factor in that, remember that the margin overfeed is the allowance there to cover the non-feed costs. We have to look at, well, what do we need in terms of a non-feed cost? Uh, what are the non-feed costs associated with pig production? Again, let's say the current crisis, and this is why, let's say, we're having a conversation today. The sale price here um, is 142 cent. The feed price cost is one is one thirty five. Now these are the the current. If we took uh, February or there thereabouts, uh, the feed cost is one thirty five, and the margin of our feed is is seven cent. In reality, let's say if we took the January um, uh, figures, it would be one forty three. The feed is one thirty three. So the margin of our feed is is uh, ten cent, and really, from all of what we've seen, we need at least forty seven cent. Uh, to cover our non-feed costs. And if we have an 88 kilo uh, carcass, um, then our 40 cent, if we take the 7 cent drop, or really, let's say, um, the 40 cent drop there is 35 uh, euros uh, of a loss per pig. And I suppose the point here is that we're hearing figures of how much are we losing per pig. The reality is that we're losing in the region of 33 to 40 euros uh, per pig sold, um, for every pig uh, being sold at present from pig farms. So it is a serious crisis. Looking at the non-feed costs, and let's say if we just look at the main ones, labour and management is 15.9 cent, healthcare is 6.6, heat power and light is 4.3. We know quite well that in current circumstances, heat power and light is going to increase quite dramatically. Transport is also going to increase because of uh, the increases that we're seeing in fuel costs at the moment. But when we work our way down to, through all of these costs, the top three are our main costs, uh, we, work, we, we find that the cost is 40.9 cent, which doesn't include the cost of interest and building depreciation or the building cost uh, for your farm. And if we allow a very modest six cent there, we're up at a total cost of 47 cent per kilo dead weight. So that's really the margin that we've seen over 24 years uh, really is covering the cost of production. There's very little profit return uh, on the system. So it's really about focusing on the margin over feed. There have been great improvements uh, on farms uh, through these years. And really the point, let's say, in terms of setting the scene here, the margin over feed is critical. The current margin overfeed, let's say, at uh, 10 cent or let's say um, or lower on farms uh, isn't sustainable or viable um, for, for farms if it continues over a long period of time. Michael, why have you reviewed the outlook projections that you did last December? 
we, we did this in December, but a number of things have changed since December in the outlook, and that's why it needs to be, um, we're looking to do an update on it. So the three main things that have changed is on the feed ingredient side, just upward pressure from feed ingredients. So three main reasons. One is the drought in South America has affected the soybean harvest. You're seeing that there with the soybean prices rising up to 520 euros a ton, with the soy oil prices going from 900 euros up to 1400 euros a ton. And also with maize, um, the, after the soybean harvest has, has been harvested, then uh, the, uh, the second crop in uh, like Brazil would be planted, which would be maize. And that's going to be uh, uh, very critical to see what the, uh, the global supplies of maize will be going forward. The other thing, unfortunately, is the winter wheat in the US there is the rating on it so far isn't great. Now, it's very early in the season, but the, uh, the rating there in the 40s there at the moment for the winter wheat. Um, and that's again due to drought. As I said, it's very early in the season. So hopefully if they do get rain, that will help to improve the situation on that side of things. So all of these are putting upward pressure on feed ingredients. And then the last thing which we didn't need was a Ukrainian situation. And Ukraine is very important because they're the fifth largest exporter of wheat and the second largest exporter of maize. So they have a huge effect on uh, the world supply. So if there's any disruption with that, it's going to obviously increase fluctuations. What about energy costs? Upward pressure and energy costs, we're all seeing that at the moment. Uh, the electrical cost has nearly doubled. Um, it's it's uh, where people were at 15 or 18 cents a, a kilowatt. It's up to 30, 32 cents a kilowatt now in some cases. The same with transport costs. That's also included upward pressure. Another issue there with some of the energy suppliers was that there was contracts there for pig producers out into 2023. But due to force majeure, some of these contracts have been cancelled. So people are immediately there on a higher rate, whereas we would have thought that would have come slowly in over the last 12 to 18 months. And last but not least is the pig price. The trend in December was for the pig price to rise as the year went on. That's still the trend. Um, the reduction in the sow herd in Europe will uh, result in a tightening of the supply of pig meat in Europe. And that's starting to uh, start there at the moment. But we needed the Chinese to come in as well at the same time to increase their level of imports of, of the EU pig meat. That is still forecast to come in, but it might be a little bit slower. It might be more into the end of the second quarter into the third quarter before we get that as well. Um, the, the, the slaughterings there in the last quarter of 2021 were still very high in, in China. It was the highest since they had their destock back in 2019. So there's still a big volume of pigs being slaughtered in China, but it is falling. So we just need that process to uh, speed up a bit, I, I suppose, to really improve uh, the pig price here. So what are the actual losses on farm? The loss there for an average size unit in Ireland of 56,000 a month. At the moment so the month of february by the end of this month is going to be a loss of fifty-six thousand for one single month if you look at the cumulative loss just from january and february it's up to a hundred and hundred and seven thousand there you can see just for the two months of january and february unfortunately due to the upward pressure in feed ingredients it looks as if the composite feed price is going to increase in april and the indication from the industry is it'll go up by 30 euros a ton now this is making a very bad situation absolutely critical at that stage. The deficit for April alone is, is nearly 64,000. And if you look for the first four months of the year, then it's, it's, it's 227,000 for the first four months of 2022 alone. By December, if we take the month of December, we can see here that feed prices have fallen back to 383. 
pig price has risen as a year went on to 178 and we're nearly back in a break-even situation. But the big, big, big issue here is the loss. It's a loss of nearly 450,000 for an average size unit in the country, which is unprecedented, it's absolutely massive. So this is um, a serious, serious loss to the whole sector. You know, it's unsustainable for the whole sector. If we look at the average there, we can see the average loss per month there is 37,000. And that's uh, the reason it's a little bit lower than is in the second half of the year as the pig price rose, the, uh, the, uh, the losses are declining, but it's still in a loss making uh, of 7,500 by the end of the year. When we look at this on a national figure, if we take right, the average loss there we showed from January until December was a loss of 750 euros a sow. If we take the national sow herd of 145,000, the producer loss alone is 109 million from January 2022 until the end of this year, 109 million for one small sector with about 300 uh, uh, farms. But the issue as well is that this isn't the peak loss. The peak loss really happened last September when the feed ingredient prices started to rise. And the main, if you took a 12 month period as the main loss making in this, you're looking from September of 2021 to August of 2022. So if we look at uh, the, uh, the forecast that we have for 2022 there, as we've shown, this will show a loss then of 880 euros for each sow, national herd size again, 145,000, and it's a total loss of 128 million there for a, for a sector. Now this is the, uh, obviously the pig sector there is a billion euro industry, but even still a loss of 128 million is a massive, massive amount of loss for a small number of producers. So what can pig producers do right now? What can you do? First of all, if you're calculating your loss, you're looking at uh, the profit monitor report that we do in Chagas that will give you an in-depth analysis of, of your loss and it'll quantify your loss each quarter. We can use that then for your cash flows and we can estimate for your own farm and your own unit exactly how much you're going to lose depending on your size of your farm and depending on, on, on the input costs which you have, which may be higher or lower. And then if you want as well, we have done... Uh, a ready reckoner to check it's ready reckoner that you can also use and this basically just with the fluctuations we have between feed prices at the moment between the pig price as the year goes on if you just want to get a ready reckoner there an immediate on a month-to-month -month basis we can use this and it's it it's it's free to all the uh, irish pig producers there it could be on the site in a number of days or you, you can get it from your advisor and it's simply something that you can do yourself any of the green boxes are the boxes that you fill in so you can put in your feed price per ton for each of the feeds that you use. Uh, you can also put in then uh, the key efficiencies for your unit, uh, the pigs produced, the creep feed used, the weaning weight, the, uh, the transfer weight, feed conversions. Um, once you have that in, it'll calculate your, your feed usage cost and it'll calculate then uh, your feed cost on the kilo dead weight. It'll then give you a summary of your feed cost, your margin, your non-feed cost that you have to import. So your total cost of production for the unit here was is uh, break even was 188 cent a kilo, and the loss here in this particular situation was 46 cent for every kilo of meat produced, or uh, nearly 42 euros for every pig produced there at the moment. So this is available to all of the pig producers out there at the moment. It'll be online there, and you can download it yourselves or uh, just speak to your advisor. Um, but as I said, the next 12 months is just. Uh, it's an unprecedented situation. We've been, uh, we've been keeping um, records for the last 
30 years, and this is by far the biggest dip we have ever had in, in the sector, and it's absolutely critical. First off, Sean, can you tell us a bit about SBCI? We're Ireland's national promotional institution. Um, we, we act by providing wholesale funding um, and guarantees to onlenders. We don't lend directly ourselves, um, and we operate through banks and non-bank lenders to provide funding through to SMEs and to farmers. Um, so that's the, the context that, I, that I'll uh, give around this. We're, we're, um, we're a public sector uh, agency, part of the National Treasury Management Agency um, under the uh, ages of the Department of Finance. So um, we have some experience uh, in providing schemes specifically to the agri-sector, and we have a number of schemes in the market currently um, which we think can be helpful um, for pig farmers who are impacted by some of the challenges that have been outlined by both Michael and Ger. What are the main SBI supports? The three main supports that, that, that we are making available in the SBCI. Um, I'm going to talk about two in particular today, one being the COVID-19 credit guarantee scheme and the second being the Brexit impact loan scheme. And some of you on this call may also be familiar with the future growth loan scheme which we launched back in 2019, which is particularly successful in terms of funding long-term investment. And, and I'm sure some people on this call have access funding through that. There's very limited capacity available through the Future Growth Loan Scheme currently. Um, so in terms of supporting pig farmers impacted by the current crisis, we think that the COVID-19 credit guarantee scheme or the Brexit scheme are, are more appropriate to do that. So at a, at a high level, um, just talking through the COVID-19 credit guarantee scheme, um, this scheme was brought into play with the support of the Department of Enterprise um, and the Department of Agriculture, and it was brought into play because of COVID-19 and under the rules of the temporary state aid framework that was brought in by the European Commission. So there's a degree of complication to this scheme, which is outside of the control of the SBCI or even outside of the control of Ireland because of, of the rules that the Commission have put around it. However, it can be and is being used um, to support pig farmers who are impacted by the current crisis. It provides for loan facilities from €10,000 up to a million, and for loan terms from between three months to, to five and a half years. Um, the interest rates on this vary depending on the provider, and I'll show the list of providers that offer this scheme. Um, but interest rates less than 3% are available through the scheme. And a unique feature of this scheme, which isn't relevant to, to the Brexit scheme I'll talk about in a moment, is that there's a guarantee premium which needs to be paid. And that's that's a factor of the, the rules around the, the EU Commission temporary state aid framework. And that guarantee premium varies depending on the length of the loan. And your bank, if you're talking to them about this scheme, will, will talk you through that. Um, as is a feature of most of the, the loan schemes which SPCI puts together, any loans up to a level, in this case, 250,000 euros, are available without the provision of security. So if there's... Um, if there's a loan below that amount being sought, then security isn't, isn't required. Um, and there's also an ability to refinance a certain level of COVID-related expenses that might have been initially funded through an overdraft or, or a short-term stocking loan uh, available through this as well, which I'm, I'm not sure would be particularly relevant to this audience, but it is a feature of it. Um, and as the temporary state aid framework is set to expire in June of this year, then our expectation is that this scheme will also end in this June. Um, now, there have been forecast end dates for this scheme before, and because of the persistence of COVID across Europe, it has been extended. 
our view at this stage, based on the information that we have currently, is that we're not expecting it to be extended beyond June. Um, that may change, but that's that's our, our view currently. In terms of who can apply, well, it's um, SMEs, mid-caps and farmers um, that meet the eligibility criteria and expect to have a, a reduction of 15% in turnover profitability as a result of COVID. And it, it, the, the interpretation of, of COVID can be quite broad. So we know that as, as farmers, the impact of COVID can be at a secondary level. So it could be because of your processor or your supplier. Um, therefore, it's not just a direct impact, but it can be an indirect impact that's taken into account. And that's the same for the Brexit scheme. And I'm sure Donald and Pat will speak about that when, when they talk about those schemes as well and how they're used through their banks. It can be used for working capital or investment, um, and it can be used, as I said earlier, to refinance short-term debt as a result of COVID-19. Um, the loan amounts, and these are also governed by this temporary state aid framework, can't be more than a million euros, and it can be a maximum of either double your annual wage turnover for 2019 or your most recent year, as is more appropriate to you, or 25% of your total turnover of, of, of 2019 or your most recent year, 2021. Um, in, in this instance and again that's their rules that are brought in because of the, the framework how can you apply for the credit guarantee scheme in terms of how you apply for this scheme um, the the providers listed on the on the slide uh, have availability under the COVID-19 credit guarantee scheme um, so in terms of banks AIB Bank of Ireland Ulster Bank a host of non-bank providers as well uh, and credit unions that are have a wide geographical uh, spread. So unlike other schemes where you would come firstly to the SBCI and then go to your, to your bank, in this case, if you're looking to, to access the COVID credit guarantee scheme, you go directly to the bank, they complete the paperwork with you and provide the funding. And in return for that, then they can rely on the guarantee from the state, which the SBCI administers. So that's one potential option. And I know some big farmers are, are, are getting support through that scheme. Um, another scheme which we developed throughout the course of, of 2021 um, and which we think is particular application for this particular crisis is the Brexit impact loan scheme. Um, Brexit, as we know, hasn't gone away. Some would say the real impact of Brexit is yet to be felt um, and that COVID has masked some of the, the impact of Brexit. And the SBCI launched a specific Brexit loan scheme back in 2018. Um, and that was refreshed in 2019 with further support from, excuse me, in, in 2021 with further support from Europe. So there's some changes made to it to make it more applicable. And one of the big changes that makes it relevant to this audience is that it's now available to farmers, um, whereas the old Brexit scheme wasn't. Um, it provides for uh, loans to eligible businesses, farmers and fishers who are Brexit impacted. I'll talk about Brexit impact in a minute and gives access to working capital finance to enable them to, to invest in the business. Um, the purposes are for both working capital and investment. Um, and you have to say that you are impacted by Brexit. Uh, and that's a self-declaration. Um, and I talk about how you may be impacted by Brexit on a primary or a secondary basis. Um, it does provide for up to 100% refinance if you had an existing Brexit loan. Don't think that's going to be particularly eligible to, to most on this call. And you can refinance up to 30% of your loan or use up to 30% of your loan for refinancing other existing facilities. So if, for example, somebody was looking for a 100,000 euro loan, up to 30,000 euros of that could involve a refinance of an existing bank loan uh, into, the, into the new loan. 
Um, in terms of features, what it can be used for, the loans here are 25,000 euros to, to 1.5 million per applicant. Um, loan terms from one to six years. In this case, all lending up to half a million are unsecured. Um, the interest rates on this are capped. So for any loans up to 250,000 euros is a maximum rate of 3.7% and above that maximum rate of 2.75%. There's no guarantee premium applying here as, to, as there was in the last, um, the last scheme that I showed you. And we do know that interest rates less than 3% are available for loans under 250,000 euros in the marketplace. Um, as things stand right now, loans through this scheme are again available up until the end of June, but we do think that it will be extended in this case until the end of, uh, of this year. And um, so the framework around this and the state aid rules are different to, to the previous scheme that I showed. Um, so in terms of before I get on to who can apply, um, this is available through five credit unions, but also available through AIB, Bank of Ireland, and also permanent TSB who have an allocation under the, the Brexit loan scheme. Um, applications are different for this scheme than for the credit guarantee scheme. So again, it's about viable um, micro SMEs, small mid caps, including farmers and fishers that meet Brexit eligibility criteria. And just to speak about that for a moment, that means that you anticipate or have currently at least 15% of your turnover or profit impacted by Brexit. So either you or somebody that you're trading with is trading with the UK to reflect 15% of your turnover on Brexit. When we look at our pig meat exports to the UK and look at the level of imports that we have from the UK, they can be aggregators. And we found that the vast majority of, of pig farmers can qualify through that, that Brexit impact criteria. Um, but I just wanted to, to point out that while there is a guarantee in place, um, the banks do uh, credit approved the facilities. Anne-Marie, what are banks looking for when you approach them to negotiate your finances? What the bank want to see or your finance provider, what is your break-even price? Okay, so at, at which point are you covering all your costs? What are your total feed costs and your total non-feed costs? Um, and for the vast majority of producers, that information is very much to hand. It's on your PIGSYS, it's on your ReadyReckoner, but please don't underestimate the, the importance of that data for a bank or a financial institution. What they want to see is that, look, at which point when the world readies itself and steadies, at which point are you back on an even keel and you're back making money or at least back in a break-even position? And really what the bank wants to understand is what is the cause of the financial pressure? So obviously this is a very unprecedented time. There's a, the perfect storm there in the mix of all the items that Michael detailed. But what the bank want to understand is, is this what is causing your problem? So it's not something outside of the farm. It's not a, a personal debt. What is causing the problem here and how can it be, you know, I suppose, assisted in the short term and solved in the longer term? So they're the same kind of questions that you'll be looking at when you're looking at your data. OK, so look, it's. In chatting to the in chatting to the financial institution, as that it's having that open and honest conversation. So it's it's really just bringing in the kind of detail that's been discussed. Um, the existing debt, obviously, feed creditors, who's owed what, what kind of timelines are we within or without the non-feed creditors, all the bits and pieces that are in the Pixis. Many are now trading as a company, so obviously wages are coming out of that company. But if it's not a company, what are the living expenses like? What is it costing to keep obviously families going and, and keep the show on the road? I, I can't emphasize enough the accurate cash flow it's absolutely essential that there's an accurate cash flow there and even 
for the next six to 12 months and, and we see after that. But really it's lay, laying out in the black and white of what is coming in, what's going out, what are the costs and how much it's, is needed to keep that show on the road, uh, bearing in mind the timelines that Michael mentioned earlier and how long this will, will travel on for. And I think it would be awful remiss of me not to say that in all my years of banking with Ulster Bank, which was over 14, I know Michael mentioned 30 years of data, it is an extremely challenging time. So people do need to seek support, be it financial or even somebody to bounce their ideas off. Um, ultimately, what a bank or financial institution need to understand is how we'll demonstrate your payment capacity. So how much, um, you know, what is needed and can you afford to pay that back, as I said, when we come back to some level of normality? So planning is planning is crucial. Um, the financial products, all I would say to people is to explore all the options. Sean, to be fair, has given a, a really good insight into some of the newer loans that are there that were not there two, three, four years ago. Um, and from my experience, I found people often you know, the title of it might put them off because they'd say, God, that doesn't apply like the COVID-19 credit guarantee scheme. But those options, they may not be available to everybody, but it's certainly worth a conversation. The other things that can be done, it can be interest only on existing debt. Like to be fair, from my experience over the years, pig farmers um, have always been really strong at paying back debt quicker. Um, so it's looking at what you're paying back. Um, for many, people have used cash on their farm in 2019-2020 to build farming houses, fattening spaces. Um, if that's been spent from cash, that is a conversation you can have with the bank or the institution to see, can that be then put onto a loan? So a 10-year loan, for example, rather than what you've spent from your own cash flow. Um, do look at the term and the rate of interest. Um, and what, what the bank will want to see is, you know, what the money has been used for. So unfortunately, it, it's not um, always the case that, you know, Feed bills, for example, can be put over very long terms. That's just not really the nature of what they're designed for. Um, using realistic assumptions. You know, there's no point in, in saying that it's going to change in the very short term if we're reliably informed that it's not. So, you know, being honest and getting it down. And as always, it's very much case by case. OK, so no two farms are going to be the same um, and the banks will have to understand what's happening on the farm and what suits the, the borrower, the farmer um, at the end of it. For any application in, in um, a banking process, look, most here will have um, a long-standing relationship with their bank or credit union. They'll have a lot of the information on you, but you're looking at your application forms and you're looking at bank statements and looking at security and the bits and pieces. Um, do seek assistance from people, do talk to others, see what's happening. Um, not everything will be applicable to your firm, but what are your options? And as I said, it's very important to recognise that, look, one farmer on his or her own cannot fix this in the short term. So it's important to recognise that this is, um, you know, obviously an industry wide um, and people need to look after themselves. But a, a key summary is certainly accurate up to date farm data. Certainly for my time in Ulster Bank, that was your key starting point. You know, what are your feed costs? What are your non feed costs? At which point will you start to break even? Um, you know, what are the, the most pertinent costs that are there? You know, you want to look after animals, obviously, from a welfare point of view. You know, you need to keep the electricity and the bits on. So it's really having that open and honest conversation. Cash flows, as I said, are essential. There's great tools at your availability there from Chagask um, and just having an accurate, honest cash flow. And as I said, for the next six to 12 months is really what you're looking at. What a bank wants to see is your payment capacity. If you're borrowing X amount, can you afford to pay it back? And there might be blends to that. As I said, there might be different sources and uses. Um, seek trustworthy assistance. But first and foremost, I'd encourage everyone to um, look after themselves um, and to take care because certainly it is a extremely challenging time. And it's, it's very important that somebody has support, obviously financial, but also on the on the personal side. I'd like to welcome again Pat Burns from Bank of Ireland 
and Donald Welton from AIB. Firstly, on behalf of Bank of Ireland, I just want to stress that this sector is very important to the bank and to acknowledge, as Anne-Marie has mentioned again, like it's very stressful fa- time for a lot of farmers on the call today. So we're very conscious of that and we want to try and support them. Um, like in Bank of Ireland, we've been, been engaging with all the stakeholders since last autumn. We have had meetings with Chagas, the merchants, the farming organisations, the Department of Bank and the Minister. Um, and we also then initiated a call-out programme to our pig farmers. And I suppose really that kind of highlighted for us, there are probably three groups of pig farmers out there at the moment. Some pig farmers have cash reserves. Um, while they're very concerned about the figures that we see today, um, this, they have no immediate financial requirement from us. The second group then have no cash reserves and definitely need support. And the third group would be the farmers that, and re-mentioned again, maybe have spent money on their units up in 2019 and 2020 in particular, funded from their own reserves, and they need support now. So how are we then as a bank trying to support uh, pig farmers? It's, it's very much in a case-by-case basis. We're asking the customer to make contact with us as soon as possible and to engage with us as soon as possible. Um, we need to understand the extent of the cash flow uh, requirements. So with that, again, as Anne-Marie mentioned, like the cash flow for the next 12 months, that cash flow projection is very, very important. I'd be suggesting pig farmers link in with Chagas or an agri-consultant or whoever, somebody that will be familiar with the sector and know the issues that are there in terms of trying to project as best as we can. The thing is changing all the time, as Michael mentioned earlier. The, the profit monitor data from Chagas, the age listing of creditors, the financial accounts. And, you know, we're trying to establish as well how much capital expenditure was funded from cash flow in, in recent years, because as Henry said, we can maybe look at our retrospectively fund that over a period of time. Um, the solutions, again, will vary from case to case. Historically, like it might have been increased in overdraft or extra working capital, but that's not a solution probably for a lot of farmers, you know, because the problem is so great. Like the Brexit impact loan scheme definitely is a one that we've seen to be used. Uh, the big benefit is like, this, as Sean called out, we can, farmers can borrow up to 500 without seeking additional security. Um, the other part of it then would be for existing customers that have security with the bank um, and they've, they've funded some of this capital expenditure from cash flow. Maybe it's a 10-year loan that we'd be able to give them in, in certain instances. Uh, so uh, just finally, just from my perspective would be, um, look, it's a challenging time for everybody in the industry. Um, we need to all work together get good advice would be the message engage as soon as possible with us and um you know link in with chagas if you want support on the cash flow projections because i know you're very willing to support there thanks pat donald would you like to comment on aib and what you're offering i think from aib's point of view we've been here before in supporting the sector albeit we do recognize the scale and the pace of the deterioration in margins is unprecedented over the last 30 years. And it's really is a, a case of 
so much support that EIB can uh, offer now to our pig farmer customers and recognise that we are, we are, we are fully uh, aware of the support that we need to provide our, our customers in light of the negative margins that are uh, currently in the sector and the part that we have to play to support our agri customers. Uh, similar to what Pat said, um, we're very much of the view that there's no one solution will, salute, will suit every uh, pig customer. That's why, as Anne-Marie pointed out, that there's a range of options available. Uh, Sean mentioned in detail the two SBCI products. As Pat said, also, we're finding them very popular with regard to our pig farming customers um, because of the speed to cash, given the unsecured element, and also the built-in attractive features with regard to interest rate. And also, there's interest-only options that are available in those two products that Sean mentioned. Um, but they're one, they're one, one part of the solution. EIB, we have our own farmer credit line products, which is uh, a line of credit for a 12-month facility. There's the interest-only option. And again, also, the retro respectively funding of CapEx. And when we've been engaging with our, our, our farming customers, we have found that particularly in 19 and 20, when margins were relatively strong, that a lot of farmers would have spent a lot of their cash flow, their, their cash flow out of CapEx. And it is an option to retrospectively fund that and go out for maybe a longer period, as Pat mentioned, maybe 10 or 15 years for that, as opposed to the SBCI products, you're maybe somewhere limited with maybe five and a half and six year funds. So there is the option to do longer term uh, funding. I do say, and Anne-Marie mentioned it in her uh, presentation, the option of interest only. Again, that is an option. I suppose what we find is that the current the current crisis is so significant now that interest only doesn't give you the immediate cash injection that farmers need for their business right now that they need it. The cash benefits of interest only really become apparent in maybe our six or nine or 12 months time. Um, and it is an option. It's an option that farmers talk to, to, to us about. And again, I think this is the importance of early engagement with the banks, because again, for, for us, I don't think the real benefit of interest only going on interest only is, is, is maybe not the appropriate solution for a lot of farmers, because you don't get that cash injection that farmers actually need right now into their, into their business. I suppose maybe two messages. And again, it's to reiterate what Pat says. Come and talk to us as early as possible. We also have engaged with our pig farmers over the last number of months. That being said, customers that we would have engaged with maybe last October, November, the situation that probably has deteriorated faster and more aggressive than we would envisage. Obviously, we would encourage those customers, if you're anticipating no experience cash flow pressure, you might have cash reserves that you thought you would see you through last October, November. We know that they're being burnt. Come and talk to us again, because obviously the situation has deteriorated more so and quicker than we would have anticipated if we were talking to you last October and November. And also then very, very importantly, and again, and Marie touched on it, when you're coming and talk to us, try to quantify the level of support that you need, because I suppose from a banking point of view, we want to, in so far as possible, put the right amount of support in place for you and your business at the first time of asking, not to be doing it at piecemeal back at a piecemeal basis so that is the benefit of a cash flow um, projection and that allows or that that shows the bank exactly the amount of support that you need for your business until hopefully margins will recover as michael has maybe projected there in uh, maybe hopefully early quarter four of, uh, of of this year so i suppose to conclude look we recognize the challenges are in the sector it's unprecedented that I have seen in my career, I'm in the bank 20 plus years and I haven't seen the scale of deterioration and the pace of it so quickly, but we fully recognise the part that we have to play in supporting the sector. It's an industry-wide uh, response that's needed, but we're, re we're ready here to play our part in supporting our pig farmers over the next number of months. Chair, if I could come back to you, have we ever seen margin overfeeds as low as they are now? 
back in, in January 1999, uh, but it, it only lasted, let's say, January and February. It didn't linger through the year. And the big fear at the moment is that what's happening, let's say, in January of, of 2022, that that will linger throughout the year because feed prices, we don't know which way they're going. And, and from what Michael is presenting there, all the indications are that they're, they're you know, they're looking high for the year. So, okay. um, unfortunately, let's say uh, in, in 1999, the margin of our feed for that year was 26 cent. Um, you know, I, I don't know whether we'll see that this year or not. Sean, the, the terms you mentioned there from two to five years or things that are, what? sorry, one to five years, I think it might have been. That's not set by SBCI or is it? No, it, you just don't give the approval and it's up to the banks afterwards. So the, the scheme provides, Kieran for funding from between one and five and a half years in the case of the COVID Credit Guarantee Scheme mm-hmm. and up to six years in the case of the Bill Scheme. Um, and the, they're the terms within which an approval can be provided. So um, the bank then completes the analysis of the customer requirements. Um, the only point I would make is that in terms of the interest rates that are applicable, they're variable interest rates. So if a loan gets repaid early, as is often the case, there shouldn't be any penalty for an early repayment. Um, but the point that Pat makes is valid around putting the appropriate term for the purpose and funding feed costs, for example, over very long periods of time when it's a, a current um, input um, isn't something that you would normally see, but these are unprecedented times. So it's about trying to fit to support the cash flow as necessary and the schemes provide for up to those terms. Okay. Perfect, thanks. And just in terms of the, the, the logistics of, of getting your application online, is it a detail? Does it take long to do, or is it, is, is assistance needed? Is it something very straightforward that you could manage in your own time in a short while? Um, well, look, when you're trying to comply with something that the EU Commission designed, it's, it's never that straightforward. So there was quite a lot of work um, in the setup of the COVID Credit Guarantee Scheme in conjunction with colleagues in, in uh, of, of patent owners in AIB and Bank of Ireland and the other providers that I put up on the screen. And they manage that and they might, either Patrick Donald might want to speak to that COVID-19 guarantee scheme process. It's, it is typically done online um, and it's fairly straightforward. In terms of the Brexit impact loan scheme, which is probably, I might be possibly the most applicable, um, that eligibility application form with the SBCI should take you no more than 10 minutes to fill out. Um, and then you send that back to us um, and then we provide you with a code and you bring that code to, to any of the participating non-lenders. Um, and then the credit assessment is done at the bank level. From the approval, we say the, uh, the code, the farmer arrives to you with the code uh, and how yeah. long or what's the average time from that to approval from the bank? Yeah, I suppose, first of all, in the term, um, Kieran, we say take the, the Brexit impact loan scheme maximum term is six years, as Sean has called out. So we can't go longer than that under that mm-hmm. loan option. Um, but obviously, then it could be a mix, like it could be some of the debt on a six year loan and some of it on a maybe a, a one to two year period because of the point, you know, if we're funding all of the, the feed bill over the next six years and, and hopefully things um, return to profitability in the short to medium term. You don't want debt out there again for the next downturn. You're, you know, you're trying to manage that piece as best you can also. Um, in terms of the turnaround time, um, again, it, it, like from the time we get the application in and have all the data, typically I would say, you know, within a week to 10 days, like, you know, the, from the time we have all the information. But the one thing I'm seeing is like that, you know, farmers, 
Um, you know, and I spoke to some colleagues on this, like some farmers have put it to us, like, well, why do you need the cash flow on that? But it's going back to the point that both Donald and Anne-Marie made again, like we need to understand the, the, the level of, of support that's required. That's why the cash flow is so important. And, you know, I think that's a starting point. You know, oftentimes it's taking time to get the, those few items to us here on. Like, so if a farmer reckons they're okay today, cash flow wise, they still have a reserve, but they need support in a month or six weeks time, I would say they should be acting now in terms of, you know, going to yourselves or whoever to, to, to uh, complete the cash flow projection for the next 12 months, do you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Perfect. Donald? Yeah, and just a comment on that in relation, maybe like no different to what Pat said in terms of the term and a combination of options and and Sean touched on it as well, like obviously putting short-term input costs over longer term may not be appropriate, but again, it's looking at every case on a case-by-case basis and these are exceptional times and obviously any financial institution will look at a range of options that we can be supported, whether it's 12 months for some uh, support, whether it's three to five to six years using the SBCI or obviously longer terms using our own our own products maybe in terms of the application process and the eligibility criteria for the two SBCI products that Sean mentioned about, I suppose. At this stage, I think I think the SBCI came to the market, and correct me if I'm wrong, Sean, was about 2015 and 2016, and both EAB and the Bank of Ireland, we've all both put up our hands um, to avail of any products that have come through the SBCI every year since then, whether it's credit guarantee scheme, Brexit impact loan scheme, there's been a number of future growth loan scheme products as well, and each of those products required an eligibility criteria or an online self-certification to be done through the SBCI and initially at the start obviously 2015-2016 there was a learning process obviously we have found the SBCI products very very popular with our agri customers because of the uh, the attractive features so I, I think at this stage here now 2022 because we have four or five or six years of SBCI products where for each of them, there's either been self-declaration or eligibility criteria that a farmer has to has apply with. They're much more streamlined and they're much more comfortable and they're much more confident now of filling out those data, of filling out the requirements in the SBCI and, and bringing that, those eligibility codes or self-declaration uh, to the bank. And obviously no different to Pat, once we have that from the SBCI and the eligibility codes, we can process similar timeframes as Pat outlined. You know. Excellent. Okay, thanks, Donald. Uh, that's very good. Michael, just a couple of uh, queries here uh, on feed credit and feed credit issues. I know we, we had made some recoveries over, over 1920 where farms were making uh, money and, and started eating into their, their compounder credit. Would you just make a comment on that and the impact it has on the farms, but also, I suppose, importantly as well, on the mills? Yeah, I suppose feed credit, uh, there was uh, two relatively good years in, in pig production. There, from a margin point of view, in 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 uh, from 2019 to 2020, but unfortunately, a lot of that money was used to uh, to pay down the fee credit that had gone out from 2017 and 2018. So the average in fee credit there had been nearly up to four months. It probably was pulled back in by three to four weeks, which is for an average unit 150,000 said up, up to 200,000. So after profit that they would have made in 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 2019, 2020, a lot of that went back in to paying down the fee credit. So therefore, from a current account point of view, it's not as strong as the profitability of those years would have suggested. And it's not because it was spent on expansion or something. It was simply, it, it, it was paying down debt. So from that point of view, I suppose the industry is in a little bit of a healthier position 
but going forward, like it's 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 uh, like I'm not sure what's going to happen to the feed credit. If 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 you take it at a national level, and you looked at February 2021 versus now, um, and the co- it comes to cost of feed has gone from 314 euros a ton last February to 300 and uh, say 93 euros a ton now. The increase in feed credit for the mills, from a million point of view, has gone from about 58 million up to 70 million. So it's an increase of 12 million. And remember, this is for mills. There's probably four or five main mills who uh, have to carry the increase. And if feed prices go up again in April by another 30 euros a ton, that will increase the amount of feed credit by another eight and a half million, irrespective, even with the same uh, the same pyramid terms. So feed credit is a massive issue. Just the escalation of feed ingredient cost here is massive. If the feed goes up in April, the feed itself will have gone up by o- over 33% in, in the space of a little o- over, over um, uh, 15 months. You know, so it, it's a massive issue. Anne-Marie, a final couple to you. What, in your experience, and the lads can comment as well, what's the main issue with, with data not being provided or that farmers aren't coming in with on time? I suppose, look, the take-home message from all of you is get in there early, talk to the banks early. But what are the key things that people arrive in without that, that really slows up the process? Yeah, well, it's it's mainly the, the cash flow um, and asking for that cash flow. And then I suppose the time lag that happens and then going back to get the cash flow made up. And and to be fair, Kieran, like often people will will, you know, reach far to get help with it. But really, a lot of that help is at hand with their advisor. Like, to be fair, over the years, Michael McKeown always was excellent to get data into me. And, you know, it, it was it had all the information you needed. It needed the price um, of feed. It needed the, the costs. So that's the big one. Um, and the other one is really, I suppose, as the lad said, is talking to the bank early, but being able to quantify what you need. Because as Donald said, the, the last thing you want to do is, is to arrange finance for somebody. And then two weeks later, they have to come back and say, look, we're still in bother. And look, that can happen. But you really want to try and fix it right from the start. Um, and it's, it's putting everything out on the table. It's including all the bits and pieces and, and trying to have it right. But certainly have that conversation early. OK. Anybody else want to comment on that there, lads? Pat or Donald? Or? Yeah. No. Don, yeah, go. Sorry, Kieran. I suppose I, I suppose the, the key message for us, and again, it was touched on, like like for the vast majority of customers, this is going to be a short-term liquidity issue. And we need to quantify, as Marie says, that uh, the level of support that is needed to until margins improve and they're back into it, break even at the start, and then obviously, hopefully, profitability, hopefully quarter one next year. But it would be remiss of any bank, not when we're assessing cash flow support for a customer to determine whether it is a short-term liquidity issue. And for the vast, vast majority of our customers, we fully expect and project that it will be. But for some customers, it could be a long-term profitability issue. And I think Anne-Marie might have touched on that point also. So again, for that for that customer, when they're engaging with their um, external uh, key, uh, accountant or advisor or tagist, just to determine themselves whether it's short-term liquidity that they need or is the symptom of their problem a long term prof- a longer term profitability issue because that's the first thing a bank is going to uh, require fully recognizing for the vast majority of co- our customers this is a short term liquidity issue okay pat yeah no i, I just echo what Donald has said really Kieran. i'd say really you know um, okay. again uh, accurate uh, you know cash flow again for the farmer themselves i suppose look it's very stressful like maybe some farmers don't want to you know uh, you know go near cash flows at the moment because it's so stressful but by maybe putting it down on paper talking to the likes of yourselves and that it can 
help a problem shared is often a problem halved, as they say. And, um, you know, at least then if the bank knows the extent of the issue, we can look at the different options for them. Yeah. Great. Lovely. Listen, I, I'll finish up on that. I think that's a keynote to finish on is, is for people to look after themselves and talk talk to your advisors, talk to a neighbor, talk to whoever, family, uh, get the help and get the direction that you need. Because look, it is it is a very stressful time. It's it's like nothing we've seen in 30 years. Um, so do 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 get the help and support. And, and, and Pat said it, a problem sh- shared is a problem halved. Um, I would like to thank our speakers today. Thanks, Jaron Michael here uh, and Anne-Marie from the Chaga side to uh, Sean Farrell from SPCI. Really appreciate your time. And to Pat Byrne and Donald uh, Welton. Really appreciate your time as well. There was plenty of information there for, for everyone. And look, it's a, I said it at the outset, it's going to be a combined effort from ourselves, uh, the mills, the banks, uh, SPCI and so on uh, that will get us through this this storm. Uh, the, the Chagas advisors are on hand. Um, you know their details, contact details. Anybody's having difficulty uh, with getting through with any of us, just just contact myself here directly in Moorpark. Uh, you'll find all our details on our website anyway. Uh, but do come and talk to us and we'll get, get you ready and try and help you through this, this situation as will all the people that have spoken here already again today. That's it for the latest episode of The Pig Edge and my thanks to everyone for participating in the webinar. Don't forget to rate, review, and tune in to The Pig Edge for all your pig production news on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts. So you never miss a show. And for more farming information, go to chagas.ie. I'm Kieran Carroll, and thanks for listening.